another week, another Cavs Weekly Podcast on the Waiting for Next Year.com official podcast. We are uh, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and we are brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network. As usual, I'm your host, Josh Bloha, with my co-host, Seth Wanamaker, here to talk Cavs. Uh, um, so so last week since we called, I, I think we talked six days ago. So the Cavs went one and two. Decent news about Jared Allen, I guess, since we've gotten on. I think uh, this afternoon, some decent news, not good news, not bad news, but good, solid. Darius Garland's been dominating. Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley's been dominating. And here we are, fourteen games left in the season. A game up on the uh, Raptors for the uh, the sixth and most important seed in the playoff hunt. And we have Philly coming up. So, Seth, welcome. And what's up? I mean, it doesn't look like you're in a hotel tonight, so that's always good. And how have you been? Yeah, doing well, man. Hope you're doing well as well. Um, not in the Marriott, so I'm not earning points tonight. Didn't get my royalty check from Marriott, by the way, which I found is strange. I've referenced them multiple times at this podcast. So whenever they're ready to hook me up, that'd be great. Um, doing good. Like you said, one and two since last time we talked, we knew that they had a tough road ahead. I mean, at uh, Miami, at Chicago, home against the Clippers, it's a tough three-game stretch, all without some some big guys. So to your point earlier, I'm clinging on to that Jared Allen news. Like We haven't had a lot of good news from an injury standpoint. Finally got Levert back, which has been awesome. Uh, it's really, you know, he's really um, – taking them to another level offensively. But the fact that we got a little bit of clarity that it looks like Jared Allen is going to come back at some point this year is huge. I mean, there's such a different team without him. I'm I'm clinging on to that and and taking that as absolutely positive news. And as far as the news goes, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported probably a few hours ago now of this taping that Jared Allen will not need surgery on his broken middle finger on his non-shooting left hand. And the Cavs are optimistic that he will be back for the playoffs, which will start probably around a month from now because the Cavs regular season finale is April 10th. So, hey, I mean, I he would be a huge addition. We all know that. He's an all, he's one of the Cavs' two all-stars. So the earlier he comes back, the better. I just hope they don't rush him back, and he doesn't rush back because, as we said multiple times, next season is the most important season. This season's all about experience. So I just hope he doesn't rush back. But I trust – well – I try to trust Cleveland's uh, injury diagnoses. And, yeah, I mean, if he comes back, that's huge for this team, like you said. So let's get into the last three games, I guess. At Miami, at Chicago, for last Friday, Saturday. Not the, I was hoping they'd go one and one. I, I, I expected them to lose in Miami just because Miami's the number one seed in the East. Was hoping they'd squeeze one out somehow, find a way to win in Chicago. But it's just this team has – uh, especially without Karis LeVert and up until uh, last night, this team struggles offensively. I mean, Darius Garland's going to get his and Evan Mobley's going to get his, but like besides those two, they struggle to create their own shot. You just need like one guy to go off, I guess. And if like they don't have a third guy, then it is what it is. And I mean, like we, it was like, I guess it was expected without Jared Allen that they were going to go 0 2 in that stretch, but I would have loved for them to squeak one of those out somehow. Yeah, even Garland's shot kind of left him a little bit, you know, with that that, that stretch of game. So I, I know Garland was, I think, 4 of 17 against Miami, had seven turnovers. That was a tough one for him. And then coming back in Chicago, he had a better night. I mean, he's, he's dishing out assists like like crazy right now. But I think even against Chicago, he had a subpar shooting night, 9 of 24. So, yeah, we, we were talking about in the Discord – 
if you don't get a big game from Love or Osman right now, you know, if you're not getting 20 plus from at least one of those guys, man, it's, it's hard to win. Uh, Cavs scored 91 against Chicago. You're not going to win really any NBA basketball game scoring 91 points. Um, but the one great thing, and you called it, I think, last week and even the week prior was Mobley's, I won't say emergence because he's done it all year, but, man, Mobley has taken an absolute leap without Allen. Uh, I was a little skeptical. We've talked a lot about his ability to, you know, to screen a guy. He, he's doing a little bit more of it. The past couple of games, he's making a little bit more contact. He's, he's taking the five-man responsibility on a little bit more. Uh, wanted to share, I think I posted this on Twitter too, but in, in Evan Mobley's last five games, he's averaging 21.6 a game, 10.8 rebounds, almost two blocks and almost two steals per game in his last five. A couple of those with Jared Allen, a couple of those without. So, yeah, up and down last three games. They needed overtime, their first overtime game of the season, to beat the Clippers uh, just last night, which was a tough watch. Uh, but luckily, Garland got hot at the right time, made some big shots, and, and Lavert really came up. I think the the one thing about the Clipper game was Isaac Okoro, um, twenty five and five. He uh, he put his head down. It was just a Mack truck getting into the paint a couple of and ones. He just looks so confident out there. I don't know how many of, of his 20 were from jump shots. I don't think very many. I think the vast majority was just putting his head down. He looks like a mini LeBron out there at times. Like he's so physically built. Whoa. It's incredible. It, so on the, if someone knew how to clip that, they would say Isaac Kukuro looks like a mini LeBron and just black quote it so hard right now. Yeah, delete that, delete that. <laughs> but just his, uh, his his physical stature, man, it, it was impressive. Um, so you and I both love Okoro, so it was it's nice. I, whenever you can shout out Isaac Okoro, it's always fun too. Whenever you can shout him out offensively, I don't like you said. I, I'll actually look up his shot chart at once I'm done talking. But like, I don't care how he gets his points. Yes, he needs to make more, be more efficient from the corner for corner threes. Him being efficient from the corner would open up this offense so much but like if he's scoring 20 a game it's not going to happen that often just because it's isaac okoro and he's a freaking 21 year old known a defensive first 21 year old at, at that but like if he can average 15 a game that would help this offense in so many major ways and if he can do it efficiently i mean let's i'm gonna look up his stats right now to be honest, or, uh, from last night he had, I know he had like 10 free throws, which I was not expecting a guy like Isaac Kokoro to get. Oh, I'm wrong. 13, 13 free throws. He was 11 for 13. He had 20 points on six shots. He was four of six from the field, one for one from three. And he was a team high plus 21. The next best was Darius Garland. Or my bad. Uh, the next best was Karis Levert at plus 14 and then Darius Garland plus 11. I mean, this offense will take a huge step in the right direction if Isaac Okoro can just be an efficient 15-point scorer a night. It'll, it would be cra- It would literally be crazy how much this offense would improve just by doing that. He's the fourth-best free-throw shooter on the team at this point. I've got a lot more confidence in him going to the stripe than you know the majority of the other guys, which is kind of funny because his biggest knack, people would say, is his shooting. And he's, he's quickly become one of the best free-throw shooters on the team, which is – you know, work ethic from from his standpoint. Since we're shouting out Isaac, two things about the Miami and Chicago game. So I went deep diving into some 
um, some statistics about who he guarded in those games and kind of what transpired and found, found myself wanting to shout him out again on the defensive side. So when the Cavs have played the Heat this year, they primarily used a Coro on Duncan Robinson and then like whoever the other guard is or guard hero, et cetera. And then someone bigger is on Jimmy Butler, like a, like a Dean Wade or, or Lowry or someone like that. And so I, Okoro kind of put Duncan Robinson in jail again. I know the first time they played, he was like, Oh, of eight shooting. And again, Duncan Robinson really didn't have any impact on the game. Unfortunately, the other guys did. Bam was an absolute truck in the game and, and kind of had his way with Mobley at times. And Jimmy Butler had a good game, but Okoro did a heck of a job against Duncan. And then again, the, the next night, um, Okoro was, was guarded, um, guarded DeRozan quite a bit. I think, DeRozan had 25 points, but he had to take 26 shots. So Okora was doing it, um, you know, all weekend in terms of the guys he was guarding and the the non-efficiency, I'll say, in terms of what he did. So he brought the offense against the Clippers, but, man, he's still still an absolute dog on defense, um, even in losses. Yeah, and like we've been saying, preaching for weeks, I mean, when defense matters most in the playoffs, when every possession matters even more, a guy like Isaac Okoro is so important. He takes, I mean, yes, he struggles offensively a lot, but he takes such a burden off of Darius Garland and Karis LeVert and the other guard forwards that and guards and forwards that are on the team because they he can drive the best non-big on the opposing team literally every time he's on the court. So I, it has its ups and downs, but I just, I want Isaac Okoro to succeed so bad because you can tell he just loves the game and wants to improve and has the work ethic to improve. And I mean, just remember, always remember the kid is, he's one, he's a kid, two, he's 21 years old. Give him some time. And I just looked at the shot chart from uh, last night's win against Clippers. All of his makes were layups. Well, except for one, he had a corner three. So he was one for one for three with a corner three and all four of his makes were layups and he missed like one just outside of layup territory. But hey, like I said, five minutes ago. However, he gets his points, especially if it's efficient. I'm all for it because him. The more he scores, it's so much easier for Garland, Mobley, and Kevin Love, and Jared Allen once he comes back, and Jetty. I mean, literally everyone else on the court because Isaac Okoro is probably considered the Cavs' worst offensive player in the in the playoff rotation. Let's be honest. So just find a way to give me 15 a game, Isaac. Please just find a way. Yeah, they, they need his offense right now, especially because there's been an interesting trend with uh, Osman's minutes. Like Osman has, has been on a bit of a cold streak. He's been shooting sub, you know, 30% the past handful of games, especially from three. He's r- really struggling. And maybe it's to be expected because he had such a hard st- hot start to the year. You know, we, we knew he wasn't going to shoot like 40% from three for the year. That's really never who he's been. But yeah, his, his, Minutes have started to wane too, so it seems like JB is going to J. I'm sorry, is going to Stevens a little bit more, and maybe expecting Okoro. So I said it just a minute ago, but Cavs need some offensive support from a wing, and man, Okoro getting 20 is, is huge. Um, they're going to need more of it over the next couple of games, even with Levert back. Once the playoff, well, actually down the stretch, and once the playoffs come around, you pre- the Cavs probably need to get. I'm just trying to do some quick math. If they could get 20 points from Isaac Okoro and Jetty combined, I think they would take that because that means probably like 13 and 14 from one, 13 or 14 from one guy, and six or seven from another guy. 
And I'll, I mean, I'll take that because then you're, I, I, we could talk about this in a few weeks once the playoffs start, but that would be huge because then you're expecting Darius Garland and Evan Mobley to combine for like 40 ish. So that's, that puts you up to 60. Then you have Kevin Love and hopefully Jared Allen. I, I don't know. I'm just overthinking probably. But yeah, you do bring up a good point, though, with Jetty and Lamar Stevens. Jetty is more of a three point shooter. Obviously, that has become his role this season. He takes a lot of threes and not too many twos. Lamar Stevens is like, uh, I don't want to say like uh, Isaac Okoro light, but he's known he's a defense first guy that brings the energy, brings the toughness. Doesn't really bring much offensively outside of five feet. He can knock down a three every now and then, but I wouldn't trust him to do that. So, but then I don't know. Like, I I don't know. Jetty Osman, maybe he's struggling because Jared Allen's not on the floor setting screens. I don't I don't watch too much off ball, but maybe he gets a lot of screen sets from Jared. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of ways that Jetty might be struggling a little bit. Um, I guess the most important thing there is Jared Allen, once he comes back, that makes things so much easier. But I guess we'll move on to Evan Mobley. I know you brought him up a little bit ago. I know we talked about him a lot last week. But like I said last week, I mean, short term, Jared Jared Allen's injury sucks. Let's be honest. Long term, I think we might look back at this stretch of Evan Mobley being forced into playing the five a lot more and be like, wow, that really, one, opened up his game, two, gave him confidence, and three, I mean, look at the leap he's taken the last three or four games. You said his averages before this, but like, Last night, he had a career-high 30 points on a career-high 22 field goal attempts. He was 13 of 22, one for three from three, and, jeez, three for six in the free throw line. His free throw struggles are killing me, by the way. But, like, Evan Mobley's jump, we thought he reached a rookie, rookie wall like two, three weeks ago, and he has looked better than ever the last three or four games. Yeah, Cavs missed nine free throws last night, three being Mobley's. But it's like, okay, that's fine. If he's going to drop 30 and uh, against some big guys too. So one kind of funny thing I thought that we actually saw for maybe the first time, one of the first few times this season, the Clippers kind of played big against the Cavs. They were playing Zubak and Hartenstein at the same time and really created some issues. Like the Cavs were having a hard time keeping up, I think. Mobley was able to score on those guys, but there were instances where they're, you know, especially um, Zubak was backing down Mobley and, and having his way. But yeah, I mean, th- 30 points, uh, you know, six rebounds. And I was trying to describe the way he's scoring right now. Like, of course, he's got like his little turnaround, which is just a beautiful shot. Um, and it's it's going to be impossible to block, kind of like Duran is, hopefully, eventually. Like, it, you just can't block it. He's just too high on his release. I don't know the best way to describe it, but a lot of times when he scores, he just like gets the ball maybe 12 feet away, takes one or two dribbles, and then just kind of throws it over the guy. Like it's there's not a lot of like move to it. He just kind of has it, kind of dives towards the rim and throws it over to him. And it it makes it look so easy. Um, just his wingspan, what he's able to do, man. It's so exciting watching him mature and I really love the fact that he's increased his scoring because I think that was part of the rookie wall we really saw was offensively. Like defensively, he still had it. Offensively, he you know the free throws kind of went on him a little bit. He he didn't look very confident out there. And man, it's the, the last week or two. His offense is, I mean, he, he's just erupted. Yeah, I mean, he last night he showcased it all. He showcased like he can do moves and post when he's posting up guys. He can get the ball at the three point line. And then do a couple crossovers and get into the post and 
beat that guy that way. I mean, last night, I think I forget what quarter it was, but he had a play where he was cutting in the basket, got a pass. He had Karis Levert wide open on the wind for a three, faked the pack, faked the pass to Karis Levert, and found ah, shoot, it was someone underneath the basket. It was either Darius Garland or Isaac, I think, but it was just like. 20-year-old rookies don't usually have the vision like that in that like time, and then especially a seven-footer. I mean, the things he does, I know you brought up Kevin Durant, but like, just give me, like, if Evan Mobley can become like 90% of Kevin Durant, my goodness. I mean, this he just seems to take so many steps. Like, the things he showcases on a nightly basis just gets me i mean it gets all cast fans excited just go on twitter when he makes like a solid play and his tweets and highlights they're all over the place twitter is sometimes a fun space i always remember that especially during Cavs games by the way um but yeah i mean evan mobley just what he's done especially the last four games is just yes like i said it sucks that jared allen's out but we're seeing a we're seeing a special special talent as a 20 year old seven footer that can drill the ball like he's a point guard sometimes, has the vision like he's a point guard sometimes, but then he's a seven-foot big man that can also block shots out of the freaking arena. Speaking of the passing, so there was a play late in the Clipper game. I believe it was in the fourth. I don't think it was in overtime, but he like he spun off, had the ball, was drawn – it was drawing eyes from from two different guys and ended up like kind of doing a jump pass to I think it was Stevens who jammed it home and it's like a seven foot he's probably gonna be like seven two by the time he's 20 <laughs> so it's gonna keep growing but a, a big guy like that should not be able to do like the things you're right the things he does are just kind of defy like logic and, and gravity and all this crazy stuff like I just left me going like wow that's a that's a a play that Garland makes, who's a whole foot shorter than him. It was just ridiculous. So I, I really can't wait for, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but in like a year or two or three, when the offense, you know, can run through him, of course, it's great when it runs through Garland too, but man, if, if he, if he ends up playing a certain role that some of the great big guys are currently taking right now, like an Embiid or Joker, where you give the ball to him like 16 feet away from the basket and let them create, or, or they'll go, you know, ISO, what have you, oh, man, it's, he's showing that he he can handle some of that, and as soon as his body gets there, man, holy crap, it's it's going to be fun. And wait until he puts on some more muscle, hopefully improves his three-point shot and his free throw. I mean, the perfect Evan Mobley is that he puts on more muscle, gets more efficient from the free throw line and from three-point, and, I mean, have fun stopping him opposing defenses. But before we go on, I, I totally forgot to look at comments, by the way. Oh, okay. There we go. Sorry, we're using a new this. We're using restream now instead of streamyard. So it took a minute. Scott Cordick from YouTube said, "I know you compared Isaac uh, Okoro to LeBron in your little black black quote there." He said he looks like a younger Jimmy Butler than Mini LeBron. Hey, if Isaac Okoro can become like seventy percent of what Jimmy Butler is, I'm all in. Yeah. He's got that same body type. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's just physically like shoulders and arms and man. Yeah. Jimmy's like absolute ceiling. Incredible. All right. Just had to get that in there. I didn't want to ignore Scott (laughs) for nicely commenting. And by the way, if you're listening to us live, please give us some good comments. We'll distress and show them and all that good stuff. Um, So we talked about Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, 
Darius Garland, yeah, he struggled in Miami. I think he struggled in Miami. Still put up like twenty some points, quite a bit of assists. But like the things I Evan Moby steals the show with um, his offensive ability. Brandon Goodwin steals the show with his freaking black last night. By the way, holy cow! Um, but just Darius Garland on a nightly basis. I mean, he has the key. He is the key to this offense. We know that he has the keys to the offense. And just like some of the things he does too. I mean, he had like a step back last night. I was like, holy cow, Darius, where did that come from? Just the steps he's taken this year, same with Evan Mobley, is incredible. And it's so exciting for now and for the future. I I was eating my words because I was in a group text and Darius had two really bad back-to-back possessions. I think one where he tried to to do an alley-oop that was kind of forced that resulted in a turnover and then a second just horrid pass after he drove and threw it away for back-to-back turnovers in overtime. Um, And I'm texting my buddy like, man, he he just needs to calm down and relax. Next time down the court, I think he hits a step back three. So it's like, nope, Seth, you're wrong. Shut up. Let Darius Garland do his thing. He's going to he's going to take him to where they need to go. So, yeah, it's his um, his ability to just shake. And I know we've talked about this a lot and other, you know, other folks around the NBA have, too, but he's just so shifty. Like he's not physically as gifted as a lot of these dynamic point guards. Like John Moran is like 10 times the athlete that Darius Garland is, but his shiftiness and how he can just move and kind of, you know, misguide you to where he's going. It's, it's truly, you know, inspiring to see what he's able to do with, with his body type. Like I I love guys that kind of play above what they are physically. And man, he's one of them. Like he's so crafty. He, he, he almost has that like skill wise he's up there, right? Like some guys are just all power and, and brute force. His skill is just off the charts. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, like if we all know he took a huge leap this year. It's been talked about millions of times, but I really want to know, was it participating on the Olympics um, practices during the season? Cause he was on that USA select team. Was it, I mean, we all know Ricky Rubio, how important he was to this team, not only on the court in games, but I mean, it's very clear that he played a huge part in Darius Garland's rise to what he is this season. I mean, it's just, I would love to know. I would love to ask Darius what helped him so much, or was it a combination of Darius Garland being part of the Olympic practices and practicing with all those big guys? Well, not big guys, but some of the best players in uh, the world. And even Rajon Rondo. I mean, we hate on Rajon Rondo a lot, but it's clear that he's the sort of veteran that's going to help Darius Garland too. I don't know. We can discuss this on another podcast. I guess we're doing like a weekly recap sort of thing, but like Darius Garland's leap, Evan Mobley's leap, we talk about Kevin Love all the time, his resurgence from, hey, when are they going to buy him out? So, I mean, he, Tyler Hero from Miami probably has a six-man-of-the-year award locked up because he's a six-man, but he plays starters minutes. So he's obviously going to have better stats than Kevin Love, but that conversation's for another day. I don't know. It's just There's so many ex- – like I, I think I said this last week, the Cavs could literally lose out the rest of the season, and I would still be so excited for next season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And even have to shout out Dylan Windler. So he's been he's been with the Cleveland Charge for a, a long time now. Um, they wanted him to obviously get some shots up, get some playing time. He came in against the Clippers and really gave him a boost. Like I don't even think he scored, but just defensively, he was kind of all over the place, running around. Had a couple of big rebounds. See, he, he's a he's a great rebounder for as like a two three guy. Like he's so lengthy, and um, even want to shout him out. But yeah, going back to your point of like we want to do a weekly recap and then we continue to say like the most important thing is the emergence and the steps forward they're taking. So I love that where we keep going back to the well and talking about what these guys do week in, week out, because that's going to ultimately be how successful this team is, is, you know, what the player development looks like. And man, they thinking of, of where they were a couple years ago and how they preach player development. And it's like, to me, it was, I was like deaf ears, to be honest. It's like, yeah, sure. You just got to draft the right guy who cares about player development, but man, they, they have me as a believer in terms of player development. Like it's, it's so evident w- what they've done in terms of player development over the past two years. Player development. And thank goodness for the Houston Rockets. Yes. Kevin, pa- Kevin Porter jr. That trade looks bad at times that the Cavs traded him away for nothing. But like Houston Rockets had a chance to get Jared Allen and the trade that sent James Harden to Brooklyn. They passed. And he somehow, somehow, Kobe Altman and the Cavs swooped in and got one of the best centers in the league. And then they, pay, I mean, Jalen Green, yes, he's really good, but he's not like a generational talent like Evan Mobley. So them passing on Jared Allen and Evan Mobley was literally franchise changing for the Cavs. So thank you, Houston. We appreciate that. And then, yeah, I, I, I just can't say too many positive words on Evan Mobley and Darius Garland because they are the future of this wine and gold team. And that's why the future is so bright. I mean, the, the the ceiling. I don't think there is a ceiling right now when it comes to that pair. Honestly, that the ceiling does not exist. You know what I really like about the pairing too is that both of those guys um, kind of have like their foundation on one side of the ball. Like I, I think it's safe to say that Darius Garland's foundation is offense, creating for his teammates. And then Mobley's obviously is defense where people are projecting him to be like an all, you know, an all pro defensive type player, defensive player of the year player. So I love that they're contrasting in that way a little bit versus having two guys that are defensive minded that look incredible or two on offense. I love that, you know, that they're kind of on both sides of the court there. I know I just got a Twitter update as we're recording this. The Nets are currently up on the magic 86, 56 at halftime. Kyrie Irving has 41 and a half. So that's always fun. Speaking of point guard play, um, but back to the Cavs, most importantly. Um, I mean, I, yeah, we, Dylan Windler, someone asked that. I know a lot of us are questioning why he was came into the game last night. Cause he hasn't been playing. He's been playing with the charge and not the Cavs, but he provided a spark. It wasn't even offensively, it was defensively, which I would have never expected. Dylan Windler defensive spark. Really? But I mean, they he was a big reason why the Cavs came back. They were down in the third quarter. They came back, forced overtime, and then somehow covered the seven and a half point spread in overtime, one by nine, one twenty to one eleven. And it was it wasn't one of the must win games, but given the stretch, they had to beat the Clippers team, especially without Reggie Jackson and a couple other guys. 
And speaking of Clippers, they have the Toronto Raptors, I think, tomorrow night. So we are huge Clippers fans tomorrow night. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit, the storyboard watching. But yeah, last night was a huge win. I mean, first overtime game of the season. They somehow covered the game, covered the spread in overtime. Because the it, let's be honest, if they lost last night, things could be looking pretty ugly. I mean, they have Philly tomorrow night. I and then I think Denver the Friday night. I think it is. Speaking of Evan Mobley in this upcoming schedule, Evan Mobley isn't since Jared Allen's out. Evan Mobley is now tasked with Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic back to back games. I mean, rookie, good luck. Maybe dramatic here, but like I'm legitimately a little bit nervous just for like his health and his body. The next two, I mean, those are two like absolute tanks coming at you. They both love drawing contact, and I'm very intrigued to see what JB's going to do in terms of does newcomer Moses Brown eat some minutes? Does do they deploy Ed Davis, or are they going to say Mobley go go get this guy for thirty plus minutes a night? It's going to be wild. Um, the one thing you you literally took the words out of my mouth. I was going to jump in and say, thank gosh they they did win that Clipper game because the stretch they're in. Obviously, they lost two before uh, last night's game, and then to your point, you know they got the Seventy Sixers, which have proved to be a very tough matchup for the Cavs, even at you know relative full uh, strength and with health. And then the Nuggets, uh, Jamal Murray. It looks like he's on his way to coming back, so I'm not sure if by Saturday he'll be ready to go or not, but he's on his way, and so. They yeah they really needed that one to to just stave off and they've got a couple winnable games after but again Friday Saturday another back to back which the Cavaliers just did last weekend with Miami and Chicago it's it's gonna be uh, yeah it's gonna be a tough duo and Mobley get you know maybe you know how Garland wears like that like he's got like the protective kind of like elbow band maybe we just put that material across all of Mobley's body. Um, just put him in football pads. Yeah, just throw some That's football right. pads on him. A nice, a nice collar. <laughs> Have it be real high, like an '80s like fullback or linebacker. Because you know Embiid and Jokic are literally gonna. I mean, if you think they're physical, they're literally gonna be even more physical because they know who they're going against. I mean, it's a, it's an, it's a skinny twenty year old, twenty year old that hasn't grown into his body yet, and they're gonna take advantage of that and just be. I mean, I can't wait for Joel Embiid to freaking flop and it not be a foul and they're going to call a foul and Evan Mobley and we're all going to be angry. It's bound to happen. Just be prepared. But yeah, I mean, Evan Mobley, you were thrown in the fire a few games ago when Jared Allen went down, but now you're really thrown in the fire because you're the Cavs starting center. Most, I, I don't know. Because then again, I know we talked about this last week too, now that I think about it, but JB said that Evan starting at the five was matchup based. It would be interesting to see if matchup based means that he will not start at the five and he'll start at the four, and they'll either start Moses Brown or Ed Davis just to eat up some big man minutes the next two games. I, looking long-term and not wanting Evan Mobley to get a bunch of black and blue marks of getting elbowed so much, I hope he doesn't start at the five the next two games. Yeah, if I, if I had to bet, I think that's probably the way they'll go, uh, especially with Embiid. I, I think you know have Moses Brown, who's like seven two, and he weighs, he's a big boy too. I think he's like two seventy, two eighty. Having Moses Brown eat some of those minutes and just pure physicality might not be a bad move. Um, and that's probably not a bad transition to kind of look into you know the schedule that that the Cavaliers have ahead. One thing before one thing be- before we go there though, and I guess this all kind of runs together, but. 
the Cavs had a lineup, and this is this would obviously only be for the short term until Jared Allen comes back. But the Cavs had a pretty neat lineup, I thought, at a certain point in the Clippers game. So they had Garland, they had Okoro, they had Lavert, they had Lowry, and then they had Mobley. And I was thinking about if Allen, you know, wasn't able to come back, or even for some of these critical games down. We talked about it earlier. The the Cavaliers have uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee the past the last two games of the season. So even if Allen can't come back for those two games, I really like that lineup of of Garland, Okoro, um, with uh, Lavert, Lowry, and Mobley. Like you've got a little bit of everything. You got spacing with Lowry. You've got ISO ability with Lavert. You've got three point shooting, obviously with Garland and, and Lowry. Um, you've got you know Mobley who who can do his best if if there's not like a big banging center. And so that was just one lineup. As I'm going to interrupt you quick because I'm actually on the lineup page from last game from last night. Was it Lavert, Markinen, Garland, Okoro, Mobley? Is that what you said? Yeah. They played a team high 15 minutes together. The offensive rating 122.2, defensive rating 96.3, and a team oh not a team high, but but minutes wise because the other team highs were two and three minutes together. Um, they had a 25.9 net rating together. So I know you're going to say that you really like that lineup, and the stats and analytics would agree with you. But go on. No, well done. Because I, I didn't do the extra effort to look at it. Just eyeball test was like, okay, this this lineup has a little bit of everything. So not to digress off of off of like schedule, but yeah, just look. They were so dangerous offensively, and we just haven't seen that lately. Like we have not seen a dangerous offense, and so it just felt like a really nice reprieve to have the spacing, to have guys that can attack off the dribble with Lavert and Garland. Just having two guys in there that can that can get past someone. It was it was like, oh man, this is this can be that fun team again. You know that we saw a month or two ago before some of the injuries really started to hit. Yeah, I just. I look at lineups stuff all the time, so I just Google it quick. But yeah, I mean, I I feel like that lineup would be even. I mean, just wait until Jared Allen comes back. Although I guess we wouldn't put Jared Allen in that lineup. But even like, I'm trying to think of who you put in for Okoro and make it even better offensively. But yeah, like you said, that lineup has so much versatility. I mean, Mobley can guard the four of the five. Marketing can guard the four of the five. Karis Levert is a shot creator offensively. Isaac Okoro is your defensive first guy stopper and then Darius Garland. I mean, we all know Darius Garland, but yeah, with this, with the Cavs, so injury rattled, not injury rattled. I don't know the right word, but with the Cavs going through so many injuries, that is probably my favorite lineup because it offers you so much on both ends of the floor, like you said, and I, that might be my go-to lineup until Jared Allen comes back. Yeah. Maximum versatility and, you have enough defense, but you also have just, you know, your, your two best um, guys on offense that can create shots. And I guess one other thing too, I know I talked about the schedule and I, I keep going back to rosters and, and players, individual players, but the one thing that I'll say surprised me a little bit the past couple of games before the Clipper game where Rondo was out was we didn't see a lot of Goodwin minutes. And, you know, specifically with the Bulls game where they scored 91 points and I I think Goodwin, I don't know if he played at all, maybe one or two minutes, but it's just so evident what they need is a guy that can create, even if like Goodwin's not like the craftiest guy, but he just has enough pure speed at times to get by people. We just haven't seen a lot of Goodwin lately. And I understand Rondo brings a whole different type of game where he gets guys in the right spots, but 
you know, at some point you just have to like get by a guy and get a bucket. And so I was happy to see a little bit more Goodwin the other night. I'll be curious to see how much more he's deployed when Rondo is, is quote unquote healthy enough to play. Sorry. I, I had to unmute myself. I couldn't. Um, yeah, I, it will be, I just, I'm not too worried about it. Cause once the playoffs roll around, I feel like Rondo and Goodwin probably won't be playing that much. especially Goodwin Cause it just, I mean, the playoffs, playoffs come around, you shrink your rotation to eight or nine, nine guys probably at the most, even though the cats have been rolling with 10 man rotations and they're healthy as they can be this season. Um, but yeah, I, I love. I don't know. Brandon Goodman's so easy to root for, especially that him getting that somehow getting that block last night too was like, heck yeah, dude. I mean, he went from like a two way guy to like, hey, he should have a roster spot in this team guy, and it was just awesome to see. Um, I know you talked about future schedules. I guess first we'll get into the standings. The Cavs are five and a half. They're in the sixth sixth seed, which is the first seed out of the uh, play in tournament. They're five and a half games behind Miami for the top spot. They're one and a half games behind Boston for the fifth spot. But most importantly, they're only one game ahead of Toronto for the seventh seed, which is the playing seventh seed is the start of the playing tournament. And they're four games ahead of Brooklyn for the ninth seed or for the eighth seed with 14 to go. I, man, I don't want to be in the play in, but. I don't know. With Jared Allen out, it's going to be tough to not be in the play unless Toronto suffers an injury, which I will never wish an injury on my most hated person. Um, so, yeah, I'd, it's crazy how this team can maybe go from, like, hey, they're in the playoffs still playing. But then again, like we talked about for weeks now, I'll take any and all playoff experience, play-in, playoff, whatever it is. So just get me in the play-in. And then with 14 to go, I feel like – I mean, let's look at the standings again. They are – Oh, they're nine and a half games clear of making the plan. So okay. So unless absolute disaster happens, they're in the plan tournament. It just depends on where, I guess. Yeah, plans an absolute lock. We talked about it a minute ago. We kind of jinxed ourselves because Toronto went out and had two huge victories away from home where they beat the the Phoenix Suns and then the Nuggets back to back. And it's like what I don't understand the Raptors. They're so hard to follow. Like Siakam is playing like an absolute animal right now. And then when they have their full cast of guys like Van Vliet and OG, like they're, they're just tough. Like, yeah, the, the fact that they won those two games was huge. And luckily the Cavs do own the tiebreaker over them. So they kind of have a two game cushion right now. But to your point about like with Allen being down, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough to hang on. Even, even frankly, even the nets, like, you know, if the Cavs were to were to go sub 500, I don't think it's extremely outlandish to say the Nets have an outside shot of, of sneaking up and making it a real close competition by the end of the season. So, yeah, I think I think it's going to be tough. They, they may frankly need without Allen, they they may need some like injury luck to go their side to to kind of sneak in. But I, if you had to put odds on it, what would you say, Josh, at this point, knowing how close they are? So two games up, call it two games up on Toronto you know, four on the nets. Do you think it's 50, 50? Do you think it's less than that for them to hold on to number six? I, I don't want to say it, but I feel like it's probably, if there's like a favored side, I'd say that they're probably favored to get the plan just because the Jared Allen injury sucks. But looking at the, at their schedule, um, I mean, I can't even talk right now because I'm on Toronto schedule. Oh, there we go. March 24th 
So a week, wait, a week from Thursday, the Cavs probably their biggest game of the season, at least the rest of the season, home against Toronto. That game, if you win, you go up. I mean, it's a difference of two games, basically. If you win, say if the standings are like they are now, instead of being a game up on Toronto, you're up two games, and with the tiebreaker, you're up three. Or if you lose, you're boom, you're tied. So it's like a two-game switch. That game is beyond huge. I mean, let's just hope that no one else gets hurt for the Cavs, and let's hope that without looking at Toronto – actually, I'll look at their schedule. Uh, Toronto's – they play Monday – off Tuesday, Wednesday, and then at in Cleveland Thursday. So it's not a back-to-back or anything. But, yeah, that game is beyond huge for the playing tournament as the playing tournament goes. But then again, I mean, I don't want to, like, make light of uh, Cavs falling into a play-in, but if they get the seventh seed, that's two home playoff games potentially. I mean, the way I think we talked about this the last two, three weeks ago. The way the playing tournament goes is the seven and eight seed play, the winner is the seventh seed. The eighth seed or the loser plays the winner of the 10 and 11 game at home. So the seven, eight seed, they have two chances to win one game. I feel like, I mean, if they're if the Cavs are the seventh seed, imagine two winner go home playoff games in Cleveland. I don't know. I feel like that'd be super fun. But the, I want them in the playoff series, obviously. But two, two games like that, or even one, I mean, if they win one, then they're, it's a seventh seed, the first one. But I feel like the atmosphere would just be incredible. Yeah, it's potentially looking at who they would have to play. You know, let's just assume if they were to – let's say they flip-flop with Toronto. And so, you know, it would potentially be Cavs versus Brooklyn at, in Cleveland, which would be uh. fun for a few reasons. Maybe not fun, but kind of fun with, with a few storylines there. And then you, you play winner of Atlanta, Charlotte. And if, if Allen's back – I don't hate the Cavs' chances against either of those two teams. Obviously, Brooklyn is, is going to be a monster, but playing against the Hawks or the Hornets, you know, not to look too far ahead. I, I know I am right now, but you know, I'd say puncher's chance at, at very minimum, if not, should be favored. I mean, you're at home. I just it would be hard to watch with some of uh, some of the foul calls that have happened with with Trey this year in a Coro. But yeah, it, I mean, having two like home games would be fun. I have to find a way to sneak into Rocket Mortgage. I, uh, I'm so excited for playoff-like or playoff basketball. Let's go. I can't wait until this podcast gets so many views that we can just have media passes for games like that. Although we can't just get them for the playoff. That wouldn't happen because we'd just be like, hey, uh, we haven't had a media credential all season, but we want one for the playoffs. Can we please get one? That would never <laughs> happen. But, um, yeah, back to the – I mean, I guess that's like the, sort of the schedule watch. Obviously, we're watching Toronto's schedule a ton because they're only a half or uh, one full game back, two games technically due to the tiebreaker. I guess looking ahead, Toronto is at L- at the Clippers, home against Lakers, at Philadelphia, at Chicago. That is a back-to-back Sunday, Monday, and then the Cleveland game, and then that'll be it until we we probably talk again in our next week's podcast on Tuesday or Wednesday. So that'll be it. Um, hopefully, they lose three out of those four, three out of the next four. I know the Lakers just stunk it up against the Raptors last night in LA. When we needed LeBron and the Lakers to win, they got to not, they got dominated. Maybe LeBron and the Lakers can step up this time. But yeah, if Toronto can um, at Clippers, at Philly, at Chicago, lose all three of those and beat the Lakers at home, I will take I'll take one and three because I just hope the Cavs go two and two the next four. 
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Yeah, you you got to find a way to beat LeBron at home. I, I know it's going to be tough sledding against 76ers and the Nuggets. You you got to be able to beat Detroit at this point in the year, regardless of who you have. You got to find a way to beat them. Uh, and, and then you got to beat LeBron at, in Cleveland. He always gets up for those games. I saw he has the highest um, points scored against any team is against the Cleveland Cavaliers. He loves <laughs> he loves rubbing it in Cleveland's face. But man, he got to find a way to to beat a bad team because there's there's just a lot of like tough games left. And then it's you know Toronto and then Chicago and Dallas who's playing out of their minds and Atlanta who's playing for their lives and the 76ers again and and um, even the Magic are playing better. So there's not a there's not a bunch of cake games left. Got to got to find ways to beat the Lakers, beat Detroit, and, and go from there. Um, a couple of weeks ago when you and I were talking, you know, I tried my best to like steer away from the schedule game because it, there's so much left. But I think at this point, it's like time to dive in, right? 14 games, each game truly is, you know, the ability to stay a top six or not. So I'm excited over the next couple of weeks, we're going to really be able to dive in, do some schedule watching and, and kind of project what's, you know, what's to come. Yeah. And I know you said we had Philadelphia, Denver, Lakers, Detroit, I forget which order the last two are. If the Cavs find a way to go two and two, Toronto somehow finds a way to go one and three. That means the Cavs are up two games, technically three games through the tiebreaker going into that Cavs Toronto game. My, I mean, I guess base, best case scenario right now is the Cavs go two and two, the next four. Toronto goes one and three, and then the Cavs beat Toronto. That'll put them up three games, technically four games with 10 to go. And that, that would be a great, that's what I'm hoping for. I literally, I guess I'm not asking for too much. I guess Toronto going one and three is maybe asking a little too much, but just like you said, the Cavs need to find a way to beat LeBron and the Lakers and beat Detroit. Who's one of the worst teams in the NBA, even though they have kid Cunningham. And if they can somehow find a way to beat Philadelphia or Denver, I think it's damn near impossible that they're going to beat both of them. But man, if you can find a way to beat Denver, Holy cow, that would be a huge confidence boost for this team. The one thing I, I like that I just noticed is the Cavs have a couple of days off between the Lakers and Raptors game. So they play the Lakers Monday night at seven o'clock. They don't play the Raptors till Thursday. So they'll, they'll really have almost 72 hours between those two games. So it's a heck of a time. Like you said, that's a critical game. So the fact that they'll have almost three days to get right and, and get ready is that's uh, big time. That's the Raptors will unfortunately have that same exact timeline too because they play Monday and then play the Cavs Thursday. I really wish that was the second night of a back to back for the Raptors. That'd be awesome. But hey, it is what it is. And speaking of the schedule, I know we're only worried about Toronto right now just because the standings are so close. Um, strength of schedule remaining, the Cavs had the 20th toughest schedule. So the 10th, or yeah, the 10th easiest. Uh, Toronto is at the 17th toughest. So it's basically. Very, very close to the same strength of schedule remaining. Unfortunately, Toronto's 
getting back to full strength. Kaz likely won't be at full strength the rest of the season. Well, obviously without Colin Sexton and those guys, but I'm just talking Jared Allen. Um, I'm assuming he won't be back in the regular season, hopefully the playoffs. Just I know I, I think I said this a few weeks ago. The Cavs hashtag on Twitter is let them know. They should really change it to with all these injuries, just change it to find a way. Just find I know we said this with when Darius Garland went down with the back injury. No matter how ugly it is, some games, just find a way to freaking win, please. Yeah, no win is bad at this point. Like, we're so far past, like, the bad, ugly win point in the season. Like, that kind of happened in January when Rubio first went out. And it's like, man, they're just not winning like they used to. I I wish they could get back to their old ways. Now it's like 93 to 91 against the Pelicans. Like, we'll take that all day. We need those ugly, nasty wins. And actually, this this is perfect in terms of – so we did receive one mailbag question uh, this week, and this fits right into (laughs) – <laughs> yeah, keep keep firing those in too. You know, anyone that's commenting or watching live, please feel free to throw one in, kind of live here, and we can answer it on the fly. But just since we're talking schedule, we got a perfect question for this week, and it might, you know, it might take you a second to kind of roll through, or if you just want to go right off the top of your head, Josh, however you want to play it. But the question that we got this week from Ryan was, how many wins do the Cavaliers need to have to secure the number six seed in their last fourteen games? So what do we think the Cavaliers have to do in their last 14 to secure the number six seed? And just a reminder, they're up one game against Toronto right now, who's currently in the seventh seed. But since they're tied, it's, it's really like a two-game um, you know, space. So what do you think the Cavs would have to do the final 14? I will say oh, – let me look at Toronto's schedule quick. Toronto has some easy games, but then they have some tough games too. They're, the the problem is that Toronto, eight of their last ten games are at home. That is a huge schedule advantage for them. Um, and their last two games are Knicks and Rockets, who those teams will not be trying to win at that point. True, true. And then the Cavs' last two games are Philly and Milwaukee. So, yeah, that'll be fun. I can't wait for the Cavs to hold a one game. No, it, it, it'll be tied up going into the final day. Freaking Toronto will have at New York, and the Cavs will have home against Milwaukee. Oh, my gosh. My heart can't handle that one. Um, Man, 14 games left. They're thir- currently 39-29. and 29. I'd love to say 7-7, seven and seven, but that would mean the Raptors only have to go Nine and five, although that's tough too. If you think, do you know what? I'll say seven and seven, but one of those seven wins being over the Raptors. I like that. Yep, I like it. I I had eight and six in my head in terms of I don't think they're going to do that, but I think they might have to do that. But I think eight and six, I had kind of assumed one of the six losses would be against Toronto in that scenario. So I think you're right. Like you and I are right on per normal. Um, you know, seven and seven, if they beat Toronto is huge. If it's eight and six, you know, if, if one of those is if this one of the six losses against Toronto, then then that completely jives out. So I don't know caveat, if they're going to go. Yeah, if they lose to Toronto, they'll have to at least go eight and six. I think at least, yep, hundred percent. Yeah, to your point, I mean Toronto's got they've got the Pacers who probably aren't really trying to win. Uh, they've got the Magic who may not be trying to win. They've they've got the Rockets and the Knicks. So the Cavs don't have those kinds of teams per se. They do have Orlando, but I'd say the Cavs seem to have. I, just as I look at it, I know it's seventeen to twenty strength, 
of schedule difference. Man, it's I'd, I'd feel better, honestly, if I had the Raptors schedule at this point. But, yeah, they're going to have to have a good stretch. But going back to it, you know, if if they slip into the seventh seed, to your point, they've got two home playoff games. That's going to be insanely fun. And I think if the Cavs were treading around like the 10 or 11 seed right now and they were trying to sneak into the play-in tournament, that would be one thing. I think that was that was kind of a goal that, that I had in mind was, hey, maybe they can be around 10 or 11, maybe get in. I never even thought about maybe there are six, seven, they might fall in. Like even that's just a huge win, the, the fact that they can you know try to control their own destiny being at home. Think about it. Rewind us back to early October. If you have told me, like you said, if you have told me that the Cavs are the sixth seed right now, and a lot, of, a lot of Cavs fans would be disappointed that they might make the play-in, take yourself back to that early October and sell that to yourself. The sixth seed right now, disappointed to make the play-in, and like you said, if they were, I mean, the part of the season it was like, are the Cavs a play-in team? Probably not. Hopefully, we see like leaps from Darius Garland. Hopefully, Evan Mobley does some things as in his rookie year. Hopefully Jared Allen proves somewhat of his five-year, $100 million deal. Like, I feel like the worst case scenario right now is a play-in. And that was literally the best case scenario going into the season. So like we continue to preach, just enjoy. I I don't want to bring up the Guardians. Just enjoy this. Enjoy no expectations. Enjoy playing with house money. And just like I said, the worst case scenario right now is making a play-in when Five, six months ago, that was the absolute best case scenario. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think when Allen comes back, hopefully he comes back towards the back half of, of the regular season. I'm going to go maybe foolishly. I'm going to go right back to like high expectations. If they have a, in, in terms of uh, watching them like play the way they used to play earlier this season. You know, I think in terms of having a healthy Garland, having Levert, who's multiple and can do a lot of stuff, having a healthy Lowry and Allen, like I'm just excited. Not necessarily I'm expecting them to win a, a play-in game or a, a playoff series or anything like that. I'm just excited to watch like fun Cavalier basketball. I, that that part's kind of been tough the, the past, you know, couple weeks or month is like we haven't seen that same amount of fun just on offense. It just hasn't been there. So I'm just ecstatic to get these guys back healthy and, I just want to see like fun end of year basketball. Um, hopefully we get to see that at the end of this year. Yeah. And I also want to see like how this team performs in the playoffs. I mean, let's be honest, everyone besides Kevin Love, I'm trying to go through the roster quick. Has anyone else even been played in a playoff game? Jared Allen, maybe with Brooklyn. I don't know if Brooklyn made the playoffs when he was in Brooklyn, but besides that, I mean, we all know Darius hasn't Isaac hasn't because they've been with the Cavs. I don't but think Laurie has. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's be they're professional athletes, so we don't really think of them as like people like us, but they're going to have some nerves in the playoffs, whether it's a plan or the playoffs. I just want to see how this team performs in the playoffs. JB and the rest of the team, just I don't want to fast forward the next four weeks, especially because it's March Madness time, but I'm really excited for the playoffs and has basketball in the playoffs. You just hit on something I really like there. I'm, I'm I'm typically so focused on players and, and how they perform and in that moment, what they're going to look like. But I think 
JB and like what he's going to do. I mean, this he, like this is like the first time he's, you know, leading a team for Cleveland in, in the playoffs and to see how he's going to kind of break down X's and O's. And I think it's going to be really fun to see how he specifically, if they do land in the plan, like there's so much strategy behind a one game, like winner take all game. It's going to be fun to see what JB does. Yeah. I mean, a seven game series, we all know, like it's tough to beat a team that's better than you in a seven game series. Just because it's a seven-game series. I mean, March Madness. I know I just brought this up. March Madness is fun because it's literally a bunch of one-game series. And if a team that uh, Cinderella story is having a good shooting game and the number one seed is having a bad shooting game, that num- that Cinderella story is going to win. In a seven-game series, it sort things sort of even out. Um, the better seed or the better team wins a lot of the time, especially in 2016 when the Cavs are down three-one. Um, <laughs> what was I thinking? But yeah, in a one-game series, though, I mean, yeah, we, we've been talking about Brooklyn possibly making them play, and if the Cavs are hot and Brooklyn's struggling, they it's the NBA. You can beat anyone in a one-game series. So, I don't know. I'm just... April... The, the regular season finale is April 10th. I would assume that's usually a Sunday, so I'm assuming the playoffs will probably start that Tuesday or Wednesday, or the play-in will. I believe it's April 12th, yeah, th- Tuesday. So literally a month from now, probably like four weeks from this time, could be really fun for Cavs fans. Or we'll be sitting back and waiting for who wins the play-in because we're the sixth seed. Either way, I'm going to be ecstatic. Oh, yeah. You, you you made it real a second ago talking about having a, a home game or two at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Like, that doesn't even feel real after the past few years. Like, I, I can't even fathom how loud that place has been. Like, Yeah. Imagine the atmosphere. Just imagine it. Cleveland's consistently been understood like some of the teams that they've played when the Cavs have been on the road like they're not playing um you know some of the better teams but even even like the Heat the other night like it, the arena's half full every night whether it's a Tuesday or a Friday or a Sunday every time the Cavaliers play the place is nuts and like you almost feel like the Cavs, the Cavs no doubt play way better at home. Their record dictates that. I think they're five, they're exactly 500 away and they're, you know, they're plus a bunch of games at home, but you just feel like it's kind of cliche, but you just feel like the, the fans really do like lift them a bit. Like they, the players do not want to let the fans down and they're, they're just animals this year. I love how, how raucous it's been in there, man. It's been, it's been sweet and we got to find a way to get in there. The crit, Maybe we'll do like fake credentials. We can throw like a, a hat and mustache on or something. We'll figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> Find a way to. Uh, I'm trying to think of who we could look like because I don't look like anyone. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Some I, media members were coming for you. Just know that. <laughs> um, yeah, the few and far between that there are, but that's another story. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how expensive those tickets are on the third on the secondary market. That would be interesting. But we can talk about – we have like three or four podcasts until we talk about that. Anything else you want to add? I, I'm really out. I mean, I know we talked about the last week of Cavs basketball, the next four weeks, even the playoffs, some. Anything else? No, I'm all good. Uh, like you said, try to go two and two in this stretch. Uh, every game is important. And, yeah, we, we need to – everyone that's listening right now, go ice your hand – you know, we're going to do this for Jarrett. So we just got to get that swelling down. So I'm going to do that tonight, throw some ice on it, whatever, whatever we can do. Good juju to help Jared. It's like the snow day effect for adults. Instead of throwing <laughs> ice in the toilet, you put it on your hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, two and two. 
And then, I mean, if the Cavs go two and two, the Raptors, I mean, even, the, even if the Raptors, I think if the Cavs go two and two, Raptors go two and two, that's fine. If the Cavs go two and two, Raptors go one and three, that's perfect. And then next Thursday, I mean, eight days from now, that is, it should, it'll, it should be a playoff atmosphere in, in Rocket Morgan Fieldhouse for that game. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I should somehow go to that game. But I feel like, I just said, I feel like, like three times in 30 seconds. Um, tickets will probably be pretty expensive, but that game is beyond huge. And I can only imagine the atmosphere for even that game. That's to be like a playoff atmosphere for a regular season game. Yeah. And in the, the Cavs have battled Toronto. They've had some good ones this year. I don't know if you remember the one game where like the ESPN, like game predictor was like 99 point some percent Toronto and the Cavs just ran back and stole it with, I think they made a shot with like one second left to win the games. They've had some good battles and like Cleveland fans are smart. Like they're, they're going to know how important that game is. So yeah, that, that would be a, a nice one to, to potentially hit. Yeah. So I guess, oh man. We have to saw this out for 50 more seconds to go for an hour like we always do. Um, I just promise I'm not stalling. I just lost my chain of thought. So the Cavs are currently a game up on Toronto with 14 to go. Toronto has at the Clippers, home against the Lakers, at Philadelphia, at Chicago, and then that, uh, that's Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Monday. That's a tough back-to-back at Philly, at Chicago. That's a tough back-to-back. Hopefully they go one and three. Hopefully they split between Lakers and Clippers and lose both in Philly and at Chicago. Cavs find a way to go two and two, win the two games that you're supposed to. Probably lose the two games that you're not supposed to win because it's at Philly and at Denver. Um, actually, no. I, th- I think the Cavs are homing. I don't know. It, it's against Philly and Denver. I don't know if they're home away. I'm I'm lost. Um, I totally just lost the train of thought But so. Seth, any last final comments, anything, and I'll close this out. I got nothing. We're in playoff mode. Let's go. Wow, playoff mode with 14 to go. I love it. So for those of you that joined us live, we appreciate it. Scott Kordick, we appreciate you leaving a comment. You're the only commenter tonight. Come on, guys, step it up. For those of you listening to our podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, we appreciate you as well. And just let's hope the cast stay as healthy as possible the rest of the way. Go hopefully at least two and two the ne- uh, next week or so. And we will be back with the Cavs play Monday, Thursday. So we will be back with you either Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. And I guess enjoy St. Patrick's Day on Thursday. Please stay safe and enjoy the first few days of March Madness and the greatest basketball time of the year. Go Cavs. Cheers. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!